I'm Shelley Griffith, and today I'm delighted to have as my guest a good friend of mine, Justin Woody, that I've known a number of years, and Justin's got some interesting things to talk about, and welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I've been excited about this for a while. Glad we finally got to get together. Yes. Well, friends, we've had to do some cancels and, and reboots, and that happens in this business all the time, but Justin, if you will, do what I do with most of my guests and just give us a little bit of your background, where you were raised and, and some family history and uh, early education. All right. Um, I was born in Cleveland, Tennessee. That's here, still keeping us in East Tennessee, so I haven't moved a whole lot as far as family-wise goes. My mother and father got divorced, I think I was three and a half, maybe four, and my father moved here to McMinn County, so early years of my life, I was bouncing back and forth with the uh, weekends, and then when I got to high school, I decided, hey, I'm going to go live with my dad, so I moved up here during my high school years, went to McMinn Central, across the county there, did well there, then... Uh, me and my dad got into a little uh, conflictual teenage uh, stuff, as you know. And I said, well, I'll just go live with my mother. So <laughs> I moved back home with my mother and finished out my senior year at Bradley High School. So technically, I guess you could say I'm a Charger slash Bear. <laughs> but most of my younger years was in the uh, Bear country down there. Um. My grandparents had a big influence on me during these years because my mom worked all the time. Like I said, I only got to see my dad on weekends. So they filled in the gaps, so to speak, and that included church as well. Um, my early fundamental church upbringing consisted of my grandparents pretty much. That's who exposed me to religion. Uh, both sets were very devout Christian faithful followers, and they were involved in the church. They were involved in community things. Uh, one set played uh, music and went to these, like, not really revivals, but fundraisers, so to speak, to, to play. Um, the others, they were very active in taking leadership roles. They'd organize youth trips and things, and they'd pull me in, and that's how I'd get to experience and some of the uh, finer, um, how, how do you say it? Because this is the only time I was associated with uh, kids in a Christian background other than being at school, and we all know public schools, they tried <laughs> to push it out as <laughs> oh, yeah. far as possible. Um. Did pretty well all the way up till high school. Then I got a little rambunctious my senior year. I uh, decided I was going to take a year or two off before I went to uh, college because money had more appeal to me at that point. So, mm -hmm. so went out, uh, worked at a carpet mill because that was the big thing in uh, Bradley County. Most people went down to you know Eton, Georgia, Chatsworth, and worked mm -hmm. at the carpet mill. Worked there for about a year, and then I said, I need to go back to school. <laughs> this is not the life I want. Mm -hmm. So, came back home, um, 
got sidetracked by my, by women, of course, you know. You can't, <laughs> you got sidetracked, and I said, oh, I'll go to school next year. So it's been another year just uh, lollygagging around. Then I end up meeting my wife, which was, she's a godsend. She's, <laughs> she's the one that got me on the straight and narrow. Met her, started back school, um, graduated technical school with a, a two-year degree in electromechanical maintenance. Uh, worked as an intern that turned into a full-time job in Cleveland at a uh, manufacturing company that made uh, guttering downspouts, made medical supplies, made straws. You'd be surprised at which one of those has the most uh, regulations on them, too. By the way, you think straws. the med- yeah, you think the medical, <laughs> but it's the straws. <laughs> Blows my mind. Yeah. Um, worked there and till we welcomed the our daughter Paisley. We uh, and then I was on second shift. My wife was working as a teacher, and. We kept going, then Paisley started getting a little older, and she started getting into gymnastics and sports and things, and I was missing a lot of that because I was working 12 hours a day because most of the machines down there, we had people that would become experts on them, and then they would leave and go somewhere else for another job and move off. Um, I was not that person that would move off because we were kind of deeply rooted here in East Tennessee, so... I stayed, and then I got tired of the working 12-hour shifts, so I was like, I'm going to go back and do what I wanted to do out of high school, coach, which requires becoming a teacher. So I looked into finishing up some stuff at Cleveland State that I needed to pertain towards my four-year degree. Looked at that, said, okay, let's do this. Finished up Cleveland State. Then I chose Tennessee Westland because it was a small school. Uh, my wife graduated from there and I really liked the community because I'd had friends that went there. So I went to Tennessee Westland, ended up getting my undergrad there. And I had a double major, history was my first major and secondary education was my second major. Came out of there, uh, worked as a little bit in Meigs County as a uh, interim teacher, you know, when people would uh, take uh, sick leave or have babies. I I did an interim teacher there the first year, and then Monroe County came up, which is where my wife worked, and said, hey, we got a job. You want to come? I'm like, sure. Well, you've got to get this other certification. So I had to go and take another test to become... K or it was a four through eight English certified. Um, if anybody's ever spoken with me, I'm I'm not the best <laughs> grammatical person. Uh, my papers in grad school now. I'm like, let's run them through a program or let somebody proofread them, please. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to teach kids how to be that. How hard could that be, right? Um, worked there for a number of years, and my goal because. At my time during Westland, was I worked real closely with the Myrna Pfeiffer Library, and I wanted to be a librarian, but I just didn't know 
when I could spare the time or the money to go. Well, East Tennessee State University came up with this hybrid program, mostly online, where I just had to go a couple times up there to uh, get your master's degree in media and technology, and then that would give you, you could get certified in a school librarian or even public librarian. So I went there. I wish I could say I made a great connection there. With my instructors, I did, but not too much other than that. Because, you know, you're only going there every once in a while. Mm -hmm. So, did that. Was a librarian for about four years in uh, elementary school. And people looked at me and go, big guy <laughs> like you going to elementary school, you're going to scare me. Wow. Actually, it was kind of a... It was kind of my niche right there. They, yeah. Everybody was amazed. Um, then my son went to high school, and the principal, who was the principal at the high school, Sequoia at the time, asked me to come up there and be a history teacher, and she'd been my principal before. So I said, I don't know. So I thought about it and thought about it. I was like, okay, I'll come to your interviews, and if you think I'm the best candidate, then that that's fine. Evidently, I was the best candidate because I ended up at Sequoia High School for five years. And then I got this other opportunity because I got, in my media and technology background and a master's degree, I got into the computer side of it, which is, you know, uh, the software, taking them apart, making sure everything's running right. You're, uh, and I became a tech lead there at Sequoia High School with another colleague of mine, uh, Christina Murphy, and we took care of Sequoia High School for the technology department of the county, unless it was something we couldn't handle. So I was like, okay, I was happy and complacent, but then I still had this itch or call that I'd had for a while to do something more religiously, so to speak, and I didn't quite know what it was. I just knew God was pushing me towards something. And this kind of all started, I'll go back and do a little backstory on this one. My wife and I had went to the same church since we'd been married, which was a Pentecostal church. It was a small Pentecostal church. And it was great. And then when my kids were growing up, there wasn't a whole lot of youth. And they didn't like going to, I mean, because they, there wasn't hardly a Sunday school except every now and then. Mm -hmm. So they had to sit there and listen to preachers that would go on for hours and hours and they'd get <laughs> cranky. And as a parishioner, you feel guilty about getting up and leaving with your kid because you feel like you're missing out or you're kind of stepping out on God when you're really <laughs> not. You're just, <laughs> yeah. So um, I was like, we've got to find somewhere we can go together but my wife was deeply rooted that's where she'd been raised whereas myself like I said my grandparents were a big part of my rel religious experience as a younger I was exposed to Southern Baptist uh, Methodist and Church of God and you say wow that's a wide range yeah <laughs> yes, it, it was a wide range and so I, I kind of like you know had experiences with other denominations so I was trying to show my wife that well, it went on, and Shelly, as bad as I hate to say it, I started being the bad person saying, well, I'll sit at home and find some gospel on TV. Mm -hmm. 
and I'll, I'll listen to some of these guys and I'll, I'll just help me form my own thought. And my kids started not wanting to go to church then because I wouldn't. So this went on about a year. My wife said, okay, after the Christmas play, we'll start looking. Well, after the Christmas play, they were done with it. We started looking and it was uh, the service after Christmas at St. Paul's, I believe we wandered in the doors. <laughs> uh, funny story of that was I'd wanted to go to St. Paul's since my undergrad at Wesleyan with uh, Reverend McDon McDonald, the Rev. Mm -hmm. He uh, he took us there because I took a church history class with him, and he took us around to all these different churches. And I just loved the ambiance there. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, let's go try this little church out. I think you'll like it. I said, okay, what about the Methodist church? She goes, all right, we'll go. So we got up. We were running late because, you know, you have children. And I said, well, we're going to go here to St. Paul's first. I said, but if service has already started, we'll leave and we'll go to the Methodist church. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? We had a great pastor priest back then named Hendry. <laughs> <laughs> he never started on time. Thank goodness. So we ended up at St. Paul's and wow. Saint, my kids fell in love with it and got involved in the youth. And so from religious experiences, I mean, God helped us find St. Paul's because if it had been any other church, they just started and we said, okay, let's go somewhere else. I think that's great, Justin. That's, there are always some super stories like that as you, you get there. My wife and I were members of Keith Methodist Church uh, we had both gone to Wesleyan back in the 60s, but you're right, come back home, start my practice, she was going to teach, and we just went back to Keith. And then for other reasons, uh, we switched in 1993 to St. Paul's. Uh, the priest and his wife and my wife and I became good friends, but uh, same thing. We just kind of dropped in because our daughter, oldest daughter, had gotten married to a St. Paul's uh, cradle young man, mm -hmm. and it was just uh, very interesting, and and so you're right. And then, as you pointed out beautifully, you know, you just you find that spot that you feel comfortable in. Your your family feels comfortable, and suddenly, boom! It's just a wonderful experience. And I think for our listeners who have been through the same thing, they they realize, whoa, you know, we can do that and you certainly did make the rounds with various uh, denominations but what a wonderful blessing that you can be settled in now and folks Justin and uh, his wife Mandy and the kids have been quite active in our parish and, and we're delighted that they have settled there and, and watching the youngsters grow up and even at this point watching Justin and Mandy grow up because I'm in that older group so that's been a lot of fun now also in the last Two or three years, and, and Justin and Mandy and my wife and I were in a group uh, known as EFM, Education for Ministry. And Justin, you have come to a different level of realization of, of how and where your life uh, is settled and, and going. And let's share with our listeners, because there may be many people out there that feel a, a similar calling, if you will, to do something else. But share with us what's going on in your life right now with this. Well, as I said before, uh, Shelly, I've had this push or calling something by God, and I thought it was just to find a church where our family would all fit in together. 
but I was there and, you know, being a teacher at the time, an educator, um, I had summers off. Well, Henry Harrison had this Bible study during summer on Wednesday mornings. I started going to that. Unfortunately, it was short-lived there because, you know, he, he got his job in Kentucky. Um, but that kind of drove me, started making me ask more questions of what I wanted. And I'd always, I've been a bit... Don't hold this against me, people who are listening. I've always been a big University of Notre Dame fan. That has got me a lot of flack down here in the South. Uh, please, please don't boo right now, folks. Yes. So uh, I started looking at, at the University of Notre Dame's programs for history and religious studies, and something kept drawing me towards the religious studies. And... Uh, I was like, ah, I'll never get into something like that. So our church, as Shelly said, had an education for ministry program through uh, Swanee University of the South that our mentor, Sharon Crittenden, kind of pulled me into. And then uh, my wife decided to join with me. She was hesitant at first. She said, I'll do it for a year and we'll see. Well, she said that every year until her senior year in it, you know, because it's a four-year program. She said, well, I might not do it next year. But she finished the EFM program, and she loved it. We both loved it. Um, it helps you figure out your ministry and what you're going to do to foster that ministry. It gives you some Old Testament history, New Testament history, some very deep church history. <laughs> <laughs> I think the church history in that has went deeper than the church history that I'm taking at Duke University right now. And that's saying something. Um, and then you, your last year, you kind of make your own theological ideas and go with that. Um, well, we finished that four-year program. I loved it. We made a lot of good friends. As I say, Shelly's been in there. And the connection you make with people, it, it's it's different than just being friends with them. You, you've got a spiritual connection after that. Well, I come out of that and I'm like, my, I come out of the church history year and I'm like, you know, this is a pandemic. I'm just going to put it out there. That way if they, they say no, who cares? So I applied to a University of Notre Dame program. I asked Shelly to write me a letter of recommendation for it. Um, it was a Master's of Arts in uh, Theology. And they had a hybrid program where you went up there during the summers and you did, an intensive, you did an intensive during the summer for the whole summer and then you came back and things were online during the fall. Well, I applied there, waited and waited. Well, I didn't get accepted. That was a big blow to my ego, I guess. But I was like, well, it just wasn't the right fit. And then I'd been looking at another program where I would like to go if it wasn't Notre Dame, which was Duke University. I thought, well, I'm going to try Duke University. And if Duke doesn't accept me, I'm not going anywhere because those are the only two schools that I would like to go to because I know they would provide me with the quality of education I need because, you know, they have a lot attached to their name, so they don't want to just put any dummy out there. So I applied to Duke, and Shelly wrote me another letter of recommendation along with uh, some other uh, people I knew. Waited, waited. <laughs> then I, ca I called the uh, the admissions office. They said, oh, well, we're not going to make any decisions until it was late April of that year. And I was like, oh, okay, because I thought they were going to 
figure it out about February of that year. I said, oh, okay. And she goes, and the lady, her name was Minoka. She is the best lady. If you ever go to Duke University, look her up. She is the best person ever to talk to. She goes, so what do you want to do? And I told her, and she goes, well, I don't think the Masters of Arts we offer is what you want to do, the MACP program. She goes, I think you want to go do a Masters of Divinity, mm-hmm. which is a way <laughs> harder course, by the way. Um, and they just started up their new hybrid, and we would be the first class if I got into it. I said, well, let me think about it. So I thought about it and talked with my wife about it because it required a lot of, I have to go over there three to four weeks a year and stay for an intensive week which we call them immersion weeks there but they're really intensive Mm -hmm. i'm talking eight hours a day of your studying and then you have these spiritual formation groups that help lift you up it's the best experience i've had shelly i have to say if it weren't for the spiritual formation groups this would be so much harder but all the friends i've made all around the world from this Mm um i'm in my i'm Fixing to start my third year in it because it's a four-year program. Fixing to start my third year. Um, I've enjoyed it, every bit of it. But like I said, Duke accepted me, and I knew that's where God was calling me to because I'd already come to the agreement between myself and God. If Duke doesn't want me, then I don't. I want to be prepared to spread your word. If they don't, I don't know that. And I'm not just being, you know cliche and trying to say a big university because I know smaller universities because Tennessee Wesleyan would do more than enough to equip someone. It's just, you know, I wanted that notoriety, I guess, arrogance I had. <laughs> yeah, I understand. And it is tough. Justin and I have talked about the coursework and share with the listeners uh, kind of how many are in this group as a, as a new newer program and some of the course titles because for those of us who really uh, you know while we've had a number of friends in the ministry and talk somewhat you and I've had a chance to talk about some of these and folks these are some really intensive study programs uh, that that demand not just your time but the thought processes the papers you have to write and do all this so share with them a little bit about that okay well when you first go over there, you have this, um, they call it a uh, retreat weekend. And we went over my first year, and Mandy went with us. She dropped me off at, I forget what the camp's name is. It's a camp similar to, uh, it, it, well, I don't even know if it's similar to Grace Point. Because it's similar to Grace Point, but, you know, it has high has a uh, hiking trails and places that uh, you can go and it's real peaceful it has a lake so we went over there and I see all of these people Shelly there are 78 people sitting there I'm like wow oh, and this is a first year program what I didn't know at the time is some of them had transferred over from the MACP program because they wanted to do the MDiv to join us with that and they'd already had a year of the MAC program. I so, start out, 78 people. First classes, you, you got to do a uh, first year writing and turn it into the writing center. Duke Divinity is real big on the writing center. You, you 
must use it to be successful because if you don't, trust me, I didn't one time and I was like, I will never not do that again. <laughs> so, um, see my use of double negatives there would have got me in a, <laughs> in trouble with the English. Yes. But, um, right. So, and I mean, it wasn't long papers. It's just, you know, five page papers to begin with your first year. First year, you kind of do some Old Testament studies, some New Testament seminars, then uh, one, I had to uh, pick a a class that I wanted to take that, that was kind of like an elective, but that would still apply toward my degree in the first year. I didn't know any better because we hadn't really met a lot of our advisors and stuff yet. Uh, I took a Methodist, is it a class called John, The Way of John Wesley. Hmm. Love that class. Dr. Sangwoo Kim over there, he's a THD uh, professor and best man you'll ever meet. But boy, that was hard, Shelly. I didn't realize that was a third-year class. <laughs> like I said, we didn't know. So it was hard, but I, I came out and uh, I skated by with a B in there. So I was, I was good. That's when I lowered my standards and said, B's get degrees. <laughs> Because I had to realize I'm at this large university that is, you know, prestigious, especially putting their money on their uh, students and their degree programs. Um, second year, you know, kind of similar. You do some New Testament. Then you get into uh, more uh, world history studies and liturgical studies. Then uh, we have to do field education. I did mine the first. I was the first ever class to first ever do field education, which mm-hmm. I did at St. Paul's under Mother Claire. And it was very, very interesting. A lot of the stuff I did at St. Paul's that other people were doing in their field education, this is stuff we do all the time there anyway, Shelly, mm-hmm. you and I. I mean, yeah. So I didn't really feel like it was a lot of work. But I did see a lot of the other side. Mother Claire showed me in the ministerial side of it. So it was great. But going back to that, on you know, just how hard, like this semester, I'm taking uh, Church History Part 2 and Ancient Koine Greek, New Testament Greek together. And we're cramming a whole year's worth of Greek into a quarter. Wow. And it's, it's been... It is, this has been time-consuming. That's the reason I'm glad I've had time to, to chat with you about this because that's been time-consuming. That gives me just a sort of cold chills thinking about some of my medical stuff, what you're describing, and thinking, we'll never get through this. Why do I have to learn this to do what I'm going to do next? But in, in fairness, the study, the the uh, you know delving into it, and especially in religion and folks... I wish I had had more in my undergraduate work prior to medical school, but we were so focused, as you can imagine, on science. Mm-hmm. And and I had two, uh, no, three quarters. We were on the quarter system when I was in school at Westland, three quarters of basic religion. And that was tough, but that I didn't get to take anything else because, you know, calculus and all that stuff that I never used again. But this is great because, Justin, I've, I've watched him Folks, you know, develop with these things. He's now doing uh, lay preaching for us, uh, coming through with some wonderful messages. And this development is really, really deep stuff. And 
and very intensive. Now, share with us, and you and I were talking before we started this morning, about possible goals for you as you finish up the program and, and graduate because it, it changed, like you say, from your initial steps. So, so tell us where you're headed right now in your heart to go. Okay. We had an interim priest named Drew Bunting, and I kind of jumped onto his coattail and, uh, you know, let him be my mentor for a little bit. Whether he knew it or not, he was. <laughs> <laughs> Great, great guy. Uh, good, good relationship came out of that. Um, to begin with, I just wanted to learn this so that I could either teach at the university level or be well versed in it, where I could write papers in academia and I could defend some of these attacks against certain groups or religious groups and. That's the reason I'm big on wanting the languages and what I've learned in ancient Greek. This, there's a lot of words that's been, uh, you know, kind of flipped a little bit that could, and when you read it in the ancient Greek, you're like, well, that could mean this or it could mean this. There's a lot of uh, personal bias and interpretation that goes into that. Um, but I talked to uh, Drew and he said, yeah, it'd be good for you to go in to do that. And he said, but be careful. He goes, that's what I did. He goes, I was just going in to teach at the university level. He goes, now I'm a priest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so we did that. And I, like I said, I'm at Duke now. And uh, I went to the Here I Am Day for our diocese. And I sat and listened because my idea was, you know, I'm either going to be a lay preacher or I'm going to be just something else. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe I won't even be anything. I'm, I'm, but I'm going to go to this Here I Am Day and figure this out. So I go to the Here I Am Day. I listen to the, there were deacons that talk, priests that talk, lay ministers that talk. Um, we even had uh, Brother Andrew, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> getting religious orders. And I knew that wasn't for me. Um, so we split up and they said go to where you feel called that you think your calling was and the one that checked every box was priest so I thought maybe this is where I'm going <laughs> and Drew was uh, Father Drew was the person on the panel he goes well, I'm surprised to see you here I said I am too <laughs> he said I told you <laughs> so we sit there and I went through with these other uh, candidates sitting there and then we come back and I've been discerning about a year and I just kept going and talking to Mother Claire. I was like, I really don't know because I love preaching, but I don't know that I want to preach every Sunday because I'm afraid I'll lead people astray. You know, all <laughs> these thoughts that get in your head. And uh, I said, what about uh, deacons? I mean, I, I know what they do, but I'd like to have a more uh, in-depth part of that. So she put out a call to them and, our uh, archdeacon of the diocese, Jerry Askew, you and I were talking about mm -hmm. earlier, he called me, and uh, he and I had a meeting, matter of fact, here about a month or so ago, and we sat down and we talked, and that that's pretty much what I want to do, because being a deacon is bivocational, 
that means you don't get paid for it, folks. <laughs> that means I got to have another job, which, you know, I'm on that right. road already. Um, but you have your own ministry that promotes Christ-like behavior and you, you're your own mirror for everybody. You don't just do what the church wants to do to spread their ministry. Like we have a great food pantry. That's fine, but that's somebody else's. I would go out and try to promote something that I wanted to get started. Like I'm real passionate in our county about we have these uh, one-to-one Chromebook devices for our kids to be Mm one-to-one electronically. Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand economics today. It's hard to come up with that. So my boss and I, and I'm real passionate about this, and this this could be one of my ministries. I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way that we can come up with some sort of program where the kids can kind of put forth some sort of uh, I hate to call it work but some sort of agreement that they would do X, Y, and Z and then their fee would be paid off either by Hmm. either by asking churches and businesses to contribute or just by seeing what kind of funds we can come up with there in our county which that's getting into the political side of it but I'm real passionate about that because a lot of these kids' parents, they don't have the money, either because they work and they have a lot of children and it's hard to support them, or because they are addicted to some substance and then they're, that's where all their money goes and the, and the kids suffer for that. So I want to help that. So after uh, Dr. Jerry Askew and I chatted for a little bit, I was like, man, this, this is it. So I believe... My goals right now are to finish and be prepared to teach at the university level. Um, I'm looking at possibly, because I've been talking with admissions at Duke uh, about continuing on into the THD, the doctoral program for theology. Mm-hmm. But I'm also looking at being ordained as a deacon if uh, our diocese sees me as worthy of that because I want to get out there and, and help people and that's the whole I, I think that's it I want to be more Christ like I think that's where God's been pushing me in this whole journey through Duke and through everything oh that's great Justin I think I think I, I see you doing that and then you're still young enough that you can progress as you point out to another level uh, and and Justin's wife and son will be coming on future programs and his wife, Mandy, has a great transition story as well uh, that I've been glad to be a very tiny part of in discussions with her. But this is great. I'm just tickled that you came with me this morning, and then we're going to get you back at a later juncture as you finish the program, recapping that and looking forward. And then your particular uh, ministry with us at St. Paul's uh, and the things that you will have done uh, through your your service on our leadership body, the vestry. So I'm just tickled. Do you have any advice, Justin, for our younger listeners, perhaps? And I've learned, and you listeners know this, that podcast listeners are a well of a lot younger than me and even Justin, <laughs> and it's okay. But uh, any advice for that young person who comes to you and says, well, I'm thinking, since the steps you've gone through, about sort of changing careers, 
what, what would you say to that young person? They don't have to be in education, just, you know, your experience. What would you say to them about, uh, you know, a, a way to look at what you need to do in your thoughts about changing a career? Hmm. Well, one thing would be, the old me would say jump on it and do it. But one thing would be make sure, as I've told my own children, I have two children. Um, one, she's went and completed her two-year degree, and she kind of thought what she wanted to do, but now she's taking some time off because she don't think that's what she wants to do. Mm -hmm. So she's taking some time off, as I did, and working in a factory, um, which is great because she makes great money, and she's, she lives on her own, providing for herself, really proud of her. But, you know, as parents, we always want more, too. Um, like I said, my son, he's already changed career choices over at Wesleyan a couple of times, which is good, you know, in your first year to do and not wait till your uh, last year. I would say to people now, from my standpoint now, go for it, but weigh out all of the pros and cons and make sure you 100% want everything that you're thinking about doing and the way to do that Shelly would be I used to be real impulsive I'd say wait a, at least two months before you make a commitment after you come up with the first idea and then if you still have that fire two months later either jump on it or give yourself another discernment period I'm big on discerning especially since being in the religious program at Duke because I've met all types of people from all around the world. I mean, and I'm talking, I've been with Pentecostals from Africa. I've been with uh, Methodists who are from Thailand. Yeah. I've been with uh, Anglicans from, where was he from? He was from Japan, I believe. All of the people that I've, that I've spoke with and actually roomed with over at Duke these past two years have all been big on discerning mm -hmm. think about it ask all these questions let it rest for a while and come back to it so that that's what my advice would be let it rest for at least two months then come back to it and if you're still as fervent and fiery go for it and i'll help you what i can i think it's great advice justin super i'm delighted you came on and, and uh great advice and Thank you so much, folks, for listening. And, and as we always say, if you have any questions, contact me through my email, shellgriff at gmail.com, S-H-E-L-G-R-I-F at gmail.com, and I'll get those back to Justin. And as I say, as he finishes up next year, I'm going to get him back, and we'll discuss that. But thank you all for listening. And as I always say to each of you, have a safe and healthy day. And I'll see you a little further up the road. Thank you.